Welcome back to the Performance Pod. Today we have guest Kelly Schramm joining us. She is a fellow ACSM certified exercise physiologist. She holds a Bachelor's of Science in Exercise Science from Truman State University and is a current Master's of Occupational Therapy student at Maryville University. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. It's good to be here. Glad to have you here. So today we are going to go over some questions that we have for you about occupational therapy. Um, a little bit later on, go over maybe some of the misconceptions about occupational therapy, and then maybe some advice you have for future students. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. With that, let's get started. So first question, what is occupational therapy? So occupational therapy is so many things, but the basis of what we do is we assess people's basic functions and how they're managing those daily activities that are important to them. We help clients make personal goals for treatment tailored to their priorities, and we develop intervention sessions that will help them progress and meet those goals. Awesome, awesome. So what, what do you love about occupational therapy, the field in general so much? What draws you to it? I'm really drawn to OT because they really do make a difference. Like I know it's cliche to say like, oh, I want to help people. I want to make a difference. But I've seen it. I've done it. And OT is helping those people who are at the lowest point of their lives. They've had a stroke. They can no longer use their hand or they just uh, something that happened where they're injured and suddenly they need help. And it affects everyone. Everyone needs help sometimes. And, and so I just think it's a really special profession because we're helping people at their lowest get back to the things that are important to them. And like, it can be as simple as just brushing your teeth. And like some people can no longer do that. They don't have function of their hand. And like, imagine not being able to brush your teeth. Like that's a really important thing and people really take their basic functions um, for granted. And so I think OT helps people to do those things again. And it, it's just, I think it's really special. I think a lot of people don't realize how far um, occupational therapy stretches. Like when I had my hand and elbow injury, like I didn't even realize it, but I had an occupational therapist doing the therapy on it. and. Everyone, th like I, I even thought, I'm like, oh, it must be a PT doing it. But no, it was an occupational therapist. So mm -hmm. just how much they span and how much they really do is really impressive. So could, could you picture yourself doing anything else? Or is this like, is this what your calling seems to be? I don't know. I always wanted to be a lawyer or a Disney princess. Okay. So I, I feel like a good balance of the two is an occupational therapist. That's perfect. <laughs> But oh. Yeah, I, I really love it. I feel really drawn to this um, as my career and just going out on like my different field works. I, I can tell I'm meant to be doing it. And so, yeah, I, I like where I'm at. That's awesome. That's awesome. That that feeling always just helps you feel confirmed that you're in the right the right field of practice. Mm -hmm. So what kind of goes into OT school? Like what, what type of classes, labs do you take? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we have anatomy or yeah anatomy that that's a big one we have a lab where we uh, a cadaver lab where we go in and we look at everything in the body we i i dissected a heart i dissected lungs from body cavity just really interesting things um i really love anatomy we had kinesiology just all that stuff i think my exercise science background really came into play with that um 
We also have uh, mental health classes, uh, a portion because occupational therapy can work in mental health. Um, we, it's called evaluation and intervention course. So we have um, one, two, and three. So we have a mental health component. We have a pediatric component. We have a hospital-based component. Um, we learn about, we have a neuro class, which we actually have the same book for, the same book you had oh, in, yeah. in your yeah. class. Um, but of course, mine wasn't as in-depth as yours was. But I still, I love neuro. Um, yeah, all sorts of different classes. Uh, uh, we had population OT class where we learned about um, like OT out in the community and things like that because they also do that. Um, a practice management class where we learn a lot about policy and okay. and that that's an interesting class. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, yeah, all sorts of things. Just the, obviously we have our field work. That's technically a, a course as well, but. So. All right, so it sounds like you have a pretty good range of classes to really get you um, out there and exposed to so many different realms um, that you could be exposed to once you're out in the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we also have a assistive technology class, which I, I failed to mention, but just a, a big range. Um, our professors, they all have different specialties, and so we see a lot of their passions come out in our courses and I, I think that's really great too. So you could say it's definitely not just a one path thing like you you go through and there's so many different routes or avenues you could take in the OT field. Oh absolutely there, there's honestly endless possibilities for what OT can do. We work with all ages, we work with all sorts of disabilities like we can literally do anything. Our job is to make sure you can do what you want to do which is endless. That's so, awesome. Yeah, there's so much we can do. What uh, what would you say one of your hardest classes was? Oh, anatomy. Anatomy. For sure, yes. That was grueling. We all were just, yeah, that one, that one was hard. My most challenging course today, also one of my favorite though. I love learning about the body and everything in it. It just, it's really challenging to get all that information and like you were saying with the cadaver labs you just with those you you get so much more of an appreciation for the human body when oh, it's so one-on-one -on -one like that absolutely and i'm such a visual learner and so like looking at you right now like i can see <laughs> where your brachioradialis is like picturing that you know like yeah. i yeah. i picture it so much clearer now that i've actually like peeled it out of someone <laughs> oh yeah as weird as it is that's that's really what happened absolutely what is uh what's one of your one of the classes you like the most do you have any favorite classes um, i know that's a hard question any any i know you liked neuro neuro is also hard oh, i um, love neuro i i would say neuro was one of my favorite just because it's so interesting like there is so much that goes on in the brain mm -hmm. and how it affects your entire body. It, I just think it's so fascinating. I loved that class. I also really liked our mental health class because I don't think it's talked about enough. I don't think it's understood enough, even though we've come such a long way in understanding mental health and appreciating it and giving it credit. There's still so much more that needs to be done. And I really do appreciate the occupational therapists that work in mental health because it's, it's hard. I've worked, in a psych unit before and it is very hard and so i really respect those ot's and anyone that works uh in mental health so yeah i really like that class 
it's just like how, um, like you were saying, mental health isn't talked about enough. It's in the world we're in now where the, like the biopsychosocial approach mm-hmm. is favored where, okay, your biology and your makeup matter, but also your psychology matters and also the environment you are growing up in or around the most matters too. So it's not just, hey, what's going on with my body? It's, yeah. hey, what's going on with my mind too? What's yeah, going on I with would say... Uh, that you bring that up I would say that the medical model is definitely pushed um, we all that reminds me we also had a theory class where we learned about all the theories and frames of references and models that we use in OT and so that's funny that you mentioned that all right let's see here so we've got a good question for the last year that we've had here how has COVID affected grad school and being a grad <sighs> school student oh my what have goodness. you experienced with that Oh my goodness. It has been very challenging. So we, uh, similar to you, I believe, we just never came back after spring break Mm -hmm. in uh, in 2020. And that was currently my kinesiology course, which is another very grueling course. And we were currently learning um, goniometry and manual muscle testing. And in order to learn that, you have to have a person to do that on. So we switched from in-person lab to completely online and we that that class is what affected the most because we had to learn hands-on skills but we weren't allowed to. And so not only were we not learning it, we weren't performing it, we weren't doing it, we weren't showing that we were competent in those skills and then we also felt a sense of loss in our education, but also even scarier, a sense of unpreparedness going into our clinical work and stuff like that. So that was really hard, you know, mentally too, just thinking that you were behind. And our, I will say our professors went above and beyond for us though during COVID. They, the Maryville professors, they were always checking in with us, making sure we were okay, reaching out, making sure if we needed anything to let them know. They genuinely cared about us so much, and I will always be so appreciative of how our professors really cared for us during that time. Um, a lot of professors like got rid of little assignments, and they're like, you have other things to worry about. Like, we're going to make this as easy and smooth as we possibly can. Maryville is also very good with technology, so it wasn't that big of a deal for us to transition online. Like We had that all covered. It was really just that manual muscle testing that we felt a sense of loss. And also, like you kind of miss your, your people. You miss your routine. You miss your people. We missed out on a lot of memories, I felt, which was kind of upsetting. But, I mean, there was a lot worse things happening. So we, we made it through. That's, that's what matters. That's awesome that your teachers were really helpful in that way because when, when COVID and all that was going on, it was really a, a group effort to kind of push that and make yeah. that all work. Like, it wasn't just on the students. It wasn't just on the faculty. Like, everyone had to work together and figure out how they're going to do that. But... Yeah, absolutely. Like, and not even just my program, but just like students across the board. Like, I still cannot believe that we did grad school online. Oh, yeah. I can't believe that we even did that. But I I just, I, I always felt worse for like the high school kids who are missing out on that time of their lives. Like, that's that's really hard. I also felt really bad for the young kids because... 
I mean, it's hard enough for me as a 24 year old to sit in front of a computer and listen to a lecture. I can't imagine being like four and, or like eight, like, uh, yeah, and crucial, I just, crucial developmental ages where oh, yeah. you need to be out interacting and all that good stuff and they just can't do it. But. Oh my gosh, I know. Just the online learning, virtual learning. Ooh, I never want to hear that ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think like, if you think back to it, like snow days or like stuff like this where, oh, if I was in like undergrad or high school or something i'd be like oh yeah i don't have to go to school that's a, that's awesome but yeah. like when you're in grad school it's like no i wish i was back in school like yeah. you just can't learn the same but that that's awesome that they made that effort to yeah. make it as clear of a transition and give you guys the best opportunity to learn still that, that's awesome yeah i will say another benefit from all of that is the advancement in technology and like everyone can hop on zoom now you know like well, there's many pros and cons. Like, I do think it is, it, it's definitely advanced telehealth and like people who can't travel and stuff like that, like they have access now to people. And so I think the more access for people who need it is a really good outcome that COVID has brought to us. So let's get into, so I know you're, you're, you've gone through this a little bit now and you still have some in the future here, but how, how do clinicals work? How, do, how does all that go um, in occupational therapy program or your rotations? Or? Okay, so um, everyone kind of does it a little differently, but so for Maryville, we have a level 1A, a level 1B, a level 1C, and then a level 2A and a level 2B. And those are all, we call them field work. And so starting um, our second semester in the program, you have your level 1A, and that's like your easiest one, and that's supposed to be all observation. Um, you, you're assigned to somewhere, it's one week, um, you're assigned somewhere with a fieldwork educator and they're kind of overlooking everything, but at level ones, they really do everything and we're just supposed to watch unless you get really lucky like I did. And, they let you give you opportunity but so level 1a um, which I did mine at Maryville um, through a program called OMA which is opening minds through art um, run by the wonderful dr. mrs. Cunningham um, it's working with um, dementia and Alzheimer's um, people come in and we do our projects with them and it's wonderful it was an incredible experience I, it got cut short because of COVID but I really loved it um, my my level 1b which another week long in, in the next semester my level 1b I did at Humanitry again with Dr. Mrs. Cunningham and that's uh, actually in St. Louis working with um, homeless um, homeless in St. Louis and working to um, get them back up on their feet and um, provide them strategies for doing those daily occupations that they may need help with. Um, that was a very interesting one. So that's a community-based um, home health setting. So that was really interesting. I learned a lot doing that. And then we have um, level 1C, which I just did at DePaul um, Hospital. I did acute care and I loved every minute of it it was awesome but so yeah so basically field work is giving you an opportunity to be thrown in and um, to gain more experience i mean experience is invaluable 
and um, just learn from a variety of different OTs, their styles, what they do. Um, it also gives you a look at different settings so you can kind of see what you like and what you don't like because there are so many different settings in OT. Um, my level two, so level two field work um, is a 12 week, so it's longer and you actually have your own caseload. And so I'll be working at uh, Sensory Solutions in St. Peter's and Creep Corps and then at uh, Big Barns in the pediatric acute care. So I'm looking forward to those a lot. I'm looking forward to having my own caseload and kind of being an OT. That's awesome. Big, got big things coming. <laughs> big things coming. Yes. Field work is very fun. It's very nerve wracking because you feel like you know nothing and you, you know more than you think you do, but there's still so much to learn. I always think it's really fun. Um, but yeah, so that's field work. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have those experiences before you graduate and go off in the real world. And that's awesome that these programs have those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. So does uh, do you, so as in to become an occupational therapist, do you have to take like a board licensure exam or? Yes, yes, it's called the NBCOT, and that will be coming for me after after you graduate. Then you um, apply to take your exam, and then you study a lot. <laughs> a lot of people um, say they take about like six weeks or so. To, to put in a lot of work, like a full-time job, to study for it and prepare for it, and then you take it, and then hopefully you pass, and then you are officially an occupational therapist. Awesome. So how, let's go into maybe some of the, uh, kind of Googled and found some things about some common myths about occupational therapy. So I'm kind of rattle those off to you and just see your opinion on them or what you, uh, what you think about them. So let's see, first myth, that physical therapy and occupational therapy are the same thing. <laughs> yeah. This is, let's see, talks about how, and, and these are all debunking both of them. Um, all of these have already been debunked, but just see your opinion as a student who is going through the program and who is also almost done because you graduate this coming December, correct? Correct. That's the plan. So you have experienced this, you know this field, you're almost done with it. So how do you feel when someone says physical therapy and occupational therapy are the same? Well, um, it's pretty common. <laughs> uh, and I think that is largely due to um, OT not being well-known. Um, it's kind of in the background of the rehab and PT is in the foreground, um, which I, I think that that needs to change. Obviously, I'm biased, but I do think it needs to change because there is such a difference. So um, PT is much more physical. Um, PT kind of like works your body to get your body to work and OT teaches you how to use your body. That's a really good way to put it right there. <laughs> Thank you. I've had to do it frequently <laughs> because not a lot of people know what OT is or if you say occupational therapy, there's that keyword of therapy. So they think it's, oh, it's just physical therapy. And, and like you said earlier, you thought you were doing physical therapy with your hand, but it was really occupational therapy. And it's just really important because OT really, OT is very client-centered, 
and OT works to make sure that people are doing what they want to be able to do and we find a way to help them to be able to do it. Whereas physical therapy is very focused on, is your body working? And so they, I mean, PT is great. They help you regain your strength. They help you walk again, you know, stuff like that. And then OT really zeroes in on, okay, you can no longer use your arm or okay, you have an an amputation. What are we going to do now to make sure that you can still run a marathon? What are we going to do now to make sure that you can still play baseball with your son? You know, stuff like that. Like we look at those components. We have a holistic approach and we look at the big picture of what is meaningful and what they need to be able to do to still feel fulfilled. Almost the, the, how I think of it is like occupational therapy gives a meaning back to that person's life or helps them find that meaning and drive and hope to, hey, I can do the things I once loved or once was able to do that I can't anymore. It just It's a lot, both of them are personal, but I just feel like occupational therapy really, you get that deep connection and bond with the patient because you're, you're helping them on a level that is very near and dear to their heart. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing too. <laughs> it's kind of funny because um, it's kind of like a joke in the hospital that... Uh, the patients like the OTs and they don't like the PTs because the PTs mm. make them work. They they go to those painful spots. They make them do those exercises. And OTs like, hey, remember you love to knit? Let's knit. And so they always. I noticed that when I was working in the hospital, is like they might be hesitant for treatment, but after we do treatment, they always feel so much better. And they're just like, thank you so much. Like I feel like a person again. Like and. That's just so rewarding for me personally to help people do what they want to do. That's awesome. Next is occupational therapists only work with the elderly. Interesting. Very false. Very false, but interesting. I can see why this would be an idea because we do um, we do work in like nursing homes and stuff. And I think it's just a little unfair for the elderly because they just do happen to need a lot more help than the rest of us. But, um, I mean, they, it's very common for them to need occupational therapy services, um, whether it be through dementia, Parkinson's weakness, generalized weakness. Um, there's just so many things that can go wrong when you age. And so, yeah, they do end up needing us more and people are also a lot more familiar with, like, oh yeah, my grandma gets services after her stroke, stuff like that. Like that's that's pretty common for people to hear about OT through their grandparents. Um, but yeah, I mean, we work at all stages of life. There's OTs in the NICU working with the babies. There's OTs working in schools, working with school-age kids and preschools and everything. There's um, We work with adolescents, we work with adults, we work with every population all throughout the stages i feel like in that that answer i feel like ties right into this next one where they it says only those who work physically demanding jobs require occupational therapy which what you're just saying there's all types of ages and people Mm -hmm. that can get it so it's not just those who have very physical demanding jobs right yeah that's also another area of um occupational therapy obviously workers comp is pretty 
pretty common. Um, a lot of work injuries, there can be um, just, yeah, we, that's really common to see work injuries and need rehab to get you back to, because I mean, work is an occupation. I mean, people Very tend true. to confuse the two, but doing your job is a meaningful occupation. And so that's something that everyone thinks that we find people jobs, but we really just help you do your job. That is your occupation. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, it does. That makes pl <laughs> plenty of sense. Next one here is that occupational therapy is repetitive and never evolves. One thing I think of with that right off the bat is how some people could think, especially like let's say you're working with like a stroke victim or someone who had like a serious traumatic event. A stroke survivor. Um, stroke survivor. Thank you. Uh, that it may be they might be thinking like what the ot is doing with them is repetitive but they don't realize that when something's that severe to be able to build those neural pathways back absolutely it has to be repetitive but absolutely. also it does evolve because you you touch so many broad like so many different age groups and types of injuries and types of disabilities like it's continually to evolve but i think when people think it's repetitive they think that maybe what you're doing all the time is, but they don't realize, hey, it takes that repetitiveness to get them back. Yeah, I also think that's really important. Um, just the, they always harp on us, client-centered, client-centered. And so I think that's a part of being client-centered is making sure that your client knows what you're doing and knows why you're doing it. And so that education piece, that uh, client education piece is really important, especially to me because I want them to know what I'm doing is helping them. I want them to know that, okay, maybe it might be repetitive today, tomorrow, the next day, but this is why it needs to be if you want to get better. And the portion about it not evolving, I think that's just a misconception, but an, a misunderstanding of OT as a profession because the whole point of OT is progression. Rehabilitation is progression we are evolving in what we're doing um, I think that's another part so we we make these goals for our clients we work to reach these goals but we can also adapt the goals when they're met and make new goals and then your treatment your interventions are going to continue to progress with your skill level so we're always evolving as our patients are evolving if our patients aren't evolving then we're not doing our job. That's a great explanation of that. Oh, thank you. And the last <laughs> one here is uh, that, I, and we kind of already touched on this, but occupational therapists are only concerned with my physical health. And I know you can probably give a lot of examples um, being on your field work and how you interacted with patients and the response you got back and how that can really affect them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Of course, physical health is important and physical health is the glaring issue that we're usually brought with. Unless you're specifically in mental health, then you are addressing directly that mental health component. But like another thing we're always, we always say is every client is mental health, no matter where. If you're having an injury or if you have a drastic change in your lifestyle, you're going to have an impact on your mental health and that always needs to be addressed. I'm, I'm a big advocate. I always um, look for that component because you never know exactly what a client's going through. No matter how many times you've seen the same diagnosis, you 
never know that individual, what they're going through, what their past is, and how this injury is affecting them. And so I think it's really important, especially for me, but I do think that we're being taught more about mental health now and how important it is. Um, that OTs are really um, cognizant of our clients' mental health. It's, I mean, it's really important. You're not going to get out of bed to um, go to the bathroom and brush your teeth if you don't see a point in it or if you're depressed. Like, you have to address those concerns. And in order to establish a rapport and be client-centered with your client, you have to make sure they know you care. Oh, yeah. And like, you're, and you're, I feel like OTs are really good with that, but also your how you conduct yourself and how you carry yourself emotion wise like if you come in with a smile on your face a lot of these people are devastated and sad and and you come in and maybe give them a little bit of that happiness or brightness that can really really affect them in a positive way it's interesting that you say that because the whole reason I got into OT is from a professor actually telling me that my smile could really brighten someone's day and make a difference in rehab. And so I think that's really sweet that you just said that because that's the whole reason I want to be an OT. I want to make that positive impact for people and whether that's physical or mental, emotional, any type of that, I want to be there, be that person and let them know that they can get better. That's awesome. So we are done then with our misconceptions there. So great job on explaining through those. And hopefully that really helps some listeners clear up any misconceptions that they had. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's common to have misconceptions when you don't really know what OT even is in the first place. So now I'd like maybe for you to be able to talk because I think it's just a really cool um, thing that happened. Explain your uh project that you had at um your at st patrick's (laughs) i feel like i feel like just kind of maybe explaining what it was but then like what you guys what you ot students created and what goes into each section and just i I just think it's a real cool display of being able to explain to maybe some listeners hey look at what we are able to do for this population look what we already did as students and just the opportunity you had so i'll let you take that over yeah so um yeah thanks for asking about it so uh we actually did one of our um last courses is called our summit course and it's um everyone's split up into groups and one of our professors kind of oversees our group and so um i was placed in a group at uh, st patrick's um, school in winsville missouri and um, it is, uh, we worked at the um, preschool and kindergarten, uh, in the preschool and kindergarten hallway. And we, they said that they have been seeing like these sensory walks and they would really like if we could create a sensory walk program for them. And so that was our project. That was our summit project. Um, there was six of us and we worked five of us, excuse me. There was five of us with our mentor, six. Um, We worked on building these panels. We, um, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. We did a needs assessment at the school and we asked um, the principal and the uh, special resource teacher and some of the other teachers what they felt was a need and a priority for the kids in the school. 
And so they said that they were having just some, some sensory issues. They felt a sensory walk in the hallway could really help them. And so, so yeah, we ended up getting um, some additional funding than the school usually gives us um, through the Knights of Columbus. And so we ended up having a pretty nice budget to work with. So we ended up doing a sensory walk. We also created sensory panels and we did a comfort calming corner. Um, so basically it's an opportunity for kids who are either understimulated or overstimulated in the classroom. If they're getting upset or anxious or something and they really need to practice some self-regulation um, for someone to take them out in the hallway and they have a little path that they can do. It's like spinning, jumping, uh, bunny hops and stuff like that. We have a little exercise station that they can work on, um, like yoga poses that help um, with their reflexes and their retained reflexes and all that sort of stuff. And then we have the sensory panels. And so we created three panels. The first panel is a visual panel that has all these sorts of things that the kids like are visually stimulating. The next one is our tactile panel um, with lots of tactile options, different textured stuff that the kids can play with and touch and all that. And then our third panel is the auditory panel with different instruments and noise makers on it that they can use that. And then that wraps into the calming corner where it's actually underneath the staircase. So it's a little darker, a little more calming. We have beanbag chairs set up. We have some weighted blankets, some soft, fuzzy, cozy things in there, um, different like like smelly Play-Doh, um, different things that they can play with. There's a mood board that they can talk through what they're feeling and point at the moods and dictate what color or what um, sensory emotion they're feeling. Different stuff like that. So it, there's a lot that went into it. I'm not sure how much detail you're looking for because I could honestly go on and on about it because I'm very passionate about the project. I actually... I go to St. Pat's, so it meant a lot for me to be able to give that to the school and the kids there and the teachers because it makes such a difference. And they were overjoyed. And we also did like a professional development session for the teachers and like explained the reasoning, um, explained what sensory processing even is so they could understand their kids a little better and then why they would use it, when they would use it, and just all that sort of stuff. So. That's awesome. I bet I bet they are all very appreciative of that, and that's something that's going to be talked about at that school for a while. So that's really awesome that you guys are able to do that. Yeah, I hope it makes a difference for the kids. So let's see. Do you have any advice for current undergrad students that are wanting to get into OT or get into OT school through your, um, your experience applying or mm -hmm. what undergrad degree you got do you have uh, oh, any yeah. any advice for these undergrad students who are curious and doing what you're currently doing yes so i would highly recommend an exercise science degree um i know that maryville in particular they like psychology degrees um but after going through the program and that was something i worried about because i am I was worried that I was going to be like shorted because I didn't have a psych major. I actually had a psych minor, which was really helpful. And I love learning about psych. Um, but the exercise science component gave me such a deeper understanding of the body that I felt that my peers who had just psych background 
didn't understand, didn't grasp. And our anatomy and kinesis courses were, I would say, substantially harder for them um, because they are so grueling and you have a lot thrown at you. And if you don't have, if I didn't have a basis, like a foundation of knowledge in those areas, I don't know if I would have passed those courses. So while I think psychology is amazing, I think for OT, you want to know more about the body and how it works, why it does stuff. And I, I feel that I was very well prepared for an occupational therapy program having an exercise science degree under my belt. I think it was really important. Um, other advice, I know it's kind of hard right now getting experience because um, of COVID. That would really be my next advice is just get as much experience beforehand as you can. I know they're not requiring it because of COVID and all that, but I, would, I wouldn't use that as an excuse to not do it. I think it's really valuable to see different OTs in different settings and have knowledge prior to coming into a program on what an OT does. I think it's really important. I also worked, I would try to work with um, disabilities as much as you can prior to a program because I worked with, in an autism unit and I pulled so much from that during my program of the knowledge I learned working with kids with disabilities. Like I just, I pulled so much. You really, really want a strong foundation from which to pull your information while you're in a graduate program. I mean, if you don't have any experience, that's okay too. You'll get there. But I will say it's really beneficial to come in with as much knowledge as you can. How is, um, and you don't have to go into detail, but like applying to OT schools, like, Oh um, I know you have a set program for that, but do you have any advice for students who are maybe about to start doing that? Yes, um, it's called OTCAS is the program that you have to do. I kind of went into it blind. I never heard of it, didn't know anything about it until I had to apply. Um, you want to be fed up. You, it's, it's a resume and you're sending it off to colleges and OT school is not easy to get into. And you want to beef it up as much as you can. You want to have that GPA as high as you possibly can. It's important. Um, how you sell yourself is really important. Your volunteer experience is really important. So what I would have liked to have known prior to me filling out my OTCAS is keep track of what you do. Um, I would have liked to keep a running document of what all I did. You need the dates, you need a contact. So if you go and volunteer or you go to a social event that like a, a charity or something, write it down, um, write the name of it, write a contact, make sure you've spoken to that contact and they know you were there because who knows if they, you know, who knows, but you have to have a contact in OTCAS that who knew, who knew that you did this thing and then write down the date. And I, that would have made my life so much easier going in and trying to think back to all the years of volunteer work and stuff that I just had to pull it out of my memory. And yeah, so make sure you're organized, uh, have a, <laughs> have a running document of everything you're involved in your clubs, another get a contact for your club um stuff like that that that's my biggest wish that i would have known for otcast super good information so if you are a um 
student looking to get into the OT program, that's definitely some good info there to get you started. So our last question for you here. Do you have any advice for first-year OT students? So they, they are in their first year just starting off, and they're already in their OT program, but they're just beginning. Do you have any advice for them? What to kind of expect? Um, any things to study habits, look forward to, be prepared for? Yes. Um, I'm feeling a little nostalgic now because it's my very last day of classes. Um, but I, I have a lot of advice. First, make as many friends as you possibly can because you will lean on them like you've never leaned on anyone. It is hard. It, it's really hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And my people got me through it. And so when you are having a bad week, when you're having a bad month, <laughs> when you're having a bad semester, you really lean on those people and you have to be able to trust others. And OT is special because obviously we all care about people. You wouldn't be an OT if you didn't care about people. We're all caring. We all want the best for everyone. But it's also hard for us to ask for help because we want to be the helpers. So I think that's a big lesson I learned in OT school is that you have to be able to ask for help. You can't do everything. So make those friends, find your people, lean on them, let them lean on you. It's, it's, it's really important. Um, what, what was the other, what, what did you ask me? Just advice uh, in general? Advice for first I, year students. First um, year. Maybe what to um, prepare for or what to look out for, certain study habits yeah. or certain oh, classes yes. maybe to okay. focus on. Yeah, so um, another advice is um, take care of yourself. Um, it's really hard because, again, you don't get into OT school if you're a bad student. You, like we're used to excelling and exceeding in academia. And so for the for a lot of people, it's their first time feeling any sense of failure. And it's very hard. I know personally, it was very hard for me to not be at the top and to not be getting 100% on everything. It, it's hard to fail, but it's okay because that is how you learn. It's so cliche but it's so true in grad school. It is so true. And so I think it's important to take care of yourself, make sure that you are okay and keep going. Like you just gotta buckle down and keep going. I promise it goes quickly. I know it doesn't feel like it when you're first starting off, but it does, it, it flies by. Again, cliche, but it, it really does. So just keep going. You've got this. I'm proud of you for even getting into school, and good luck. Very true, very true. I know we went over a lot of information in this podcast, so um, if you or if anybody listening has any questions um, related to occupational therapy, um, definitely reach out to us, and we can reach out to Kelly and maybe get some of those uh, questions answered, but a lot of good information. Um, diving deep into the world of occupational therapy. I want to say thank you to Kelly for being here and for giving us all her information. It was really, uh, really awesome podcast. I have a question for you. Let's hear it. 
Um, how do you think that um, chiropractors and occupational therapists could work together in the future? Well, the um, it's the 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 healthcare model um, of these clinics that are very much um, multidisciplinary are becoming very popular. So we're with what it is is that these clinics have MDs, PTs, OTs, chiropractors all working under the same roof, um, which improves patient outcomes. It decreases patient um, expenditure um, because you have and um, I already said outcomes, but cost outcomes uh, treatment because if everybody's under the same roof, everyone's the communication's better. Uh, you don't have to be traveling over and over making all these different appointments to see everybody. Um, but chiropractic is very much uh, focused on, or a big component of it is neurology and the nervous system. And I feel like occupational therapy, um, depending on this, the scenario or situation you're in, is very nervous system and neurology focused. And so I think they really favor each other there. But just like any field, I think any occupation can work with the other one. And our biggest thing is to provide the patient the best possible um, treatments to get them the best possible outcome. So if that's working with a chiropractor and an OT, then that would be awesome. I, I, just, I think in order to make it happen, to answer your question, is that we need more of these um, clinics around that favor and support having different types of physicians and clinicians under one roof so um it's something that's happening and i feel like it's going to get there's going to be more and more in them in the future um but maybe as we go here and we now me being going into chiropractic you going into occupational therapy we can also further try to build that bridge and that connection between the two fields but um I think it's definitely, it, it should happen, but also occupational therapy are, occupational therapists are great at what they do. And so they and, should. And what is it that we do? Well, that's for people listening to the podcast to know. <laughs> do you feel like you understand uh, what OT does a little better? Oh, yeah. Like the, coming from a chiropractor's uh, perspective, I guess I, what I want to know is, do you feel a different sense of, I guess, appreciation for what OTs do, having learned a little bit more about it? Definitely. Um, beforehand, um, I just I feel like I knew kind of a broad scope of what what they did, but not so much um, the the details of it and to what extent that OTs do and what they can do and who they um, do it for and different conditions and all that stuff. So. And the schooling too, and the schooling just what and what you've gone through in the classes you take. It's just it. It's some hard classes, and it's some it's it's a rigorous program. And like you said, you don't you're everyone's smart who's going there. Like nobody, mm -hmm. you're not getting in unless you know what you're doing. And um, but that's that's awesome for the program because you always know. Hey, I have an occupational therapist. All right, they're gonna they're gonna know what they're doing, but. Yeah, definitely a better understanding of the field and also, like you said, a better appreciation of um, what you all do um, and just the how much you all get out of it, too. And I think that's yeah. a super important part of it is what 
the clinician, like you, you're not just doing it for, for money. Like you're doing it to help that person because that also gets you feel good about that. Yeah. So it's a double, kind of a double thing there. Um, would you see yourself as a chiropractor um, referring people to occupational therapy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And especially knowing people in those fields, it's very, uh, it's a lot easier to refer them um, when you have someone you can trust and you know that, hey, they're a good therapist. But, but yeah, I feel like there's tons of conditions that you can send to an occupational therapist that probably would walk in the door of a chiropractor. Like, some, I mean, we can adjust and we can do some rehab, but I'm not going to do something that I'm not specialized in. And that, and if I need to refer out to an OT to do that, then I know the best one. And you're sitting oh. right here in the podcast. So, <laughs> What a sweetie. Not yet, though. Not yet. Soon to be. Soon to be. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's important that um, all these different disciplines in healthcare start to realize um, the benefits of OT and what we do. And we're not just a, a tack-on of PT. Like, we're our own thing. We, I mean, of course, we do work with PT a lot. We are rehabilitation, but I just think it's really important that people know how important it is what we do and all the services we do and can offer because I think it's really important that people be able to do what they want to do. Well, like you said, you're not occupational ther- therapy isn't just a subset off of PT. Like you guys are your own powerhouse, so oh, yes. you're a uh, force to be reckoned with. So oh, and you are that. definitely a future force to be reckoned with in the occupational future. therapy field, soon to be. So I want to say thank you for being <laughs> here today and answering all of these questions and giving us all of your insight. Thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad that you were interested in what OT does. I yeah. love that. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out and um, we will do our best to get them answered. So thank you for joining in. Thank you.